Amen. In uh, the 9.30 service, we did a quiz of John's Gospel to see how much we've been paying attention. Um, I'll not do the quiz on you this morning, um, but this will be our last um, passage in John, as Nigel said, until um, late January. So um, last week, Johnny was um, talking to us in John chapter 5 of this long discourse that Jesus had with the Jews, talking about who he was, about what his authority was, and what he had come to do. Um, so, so what does he do next? Um, well, Jesus goes away to pray. He, he goes up to a mountain. Um, he goes away to the, the far side of the Sea of Galilee and up a mountain and, and prays. Um, certainly in this passage, it doesn't tell us that what, what, what Jesus is doing, but in other parts in the Gospels, um, it says that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray and is followed by the crowd. Um, it's interesting that it says after this in the start of the passage. Um, it could be up to six months um, later after the, the last um, story that we hear that Jesus actually goes to the sea, other side of the Sea of Galilee and goes up the mountain to pray. Um, but here we see that Jesus is going away and to spend some time in prayer. Now this passage, particularly in John's Gospel, is heavily linked um, with the Exodus story. And it's first of all, pointed towards that in verse 4. The Jewish Passover festival was near. The Passover is only mentioned three times in John's Gospel. First of all, when Jesus goes to the temple to clear away the temple. Second of all, um, here in this passage. And third, at Jesus's crucifixion. And so these three passages clearly link the idea of the Exodus and the fact that Jesus has come to renew the temple worship to be the perfect provision for the people of Israel and also to be the perfect sacrifice, the Passover lamb for the people. So Jesus and his disciples are sitting on this hill and they can see this crowd coming towards them. Um, the passage says there's about 5,000 men, which if you do the mass, there's about 18,000 people coming towards Jesus. That's about as many as would fill Kingspan Stadium or, or Windsor Park. 18,000 people coming up towards Jesus, and he can still see them um, as they're coming up. And he already has a plan. He already has a plan for how he's going to fill their needs. And then he tests the disciples to see if they have faith. Um, how amazing is it that when Jesus sees us coming, he sees us coming and he already has a solution for what we're going to ask him for. He already has a plan for our needs. And how much do we go to Jesus um, expecting him maybe even to do nothing when Jesus already has a plan. And so he tests the disciples and Philip says to him, um, in, in today's money, if we had 18,000 pound, if we had 20,000 pound, we couldn't feed these 18,000 people. There's no way. But Andrew has a bit of faith. He doesn't answer saying, I have, here's the solution. He just says, I don't have a solution, but I have this. Um, and so we have these two really cool characters, Andrew, who in faith brings the boy and brings what the boy has brought, but also this little boy who brings his lunch and brings it to a disciple, and then the, the disciple brings it to Jesus. How uh, amazing the faith of that little boy. In our first service, I brought out a big, big pack lunch, and I showed everybody that and said, is that enough? Well, this little boy had five small loaves and two small fish, which for a boy of less than 12 is still quite a lot of lunch. Um, and so 
there's one of a few things that could have happened here. He's either brought his whole family's lunch to share with the disciples, or he brought a big lunch in preparation to share it. Um, and whatever way he, he's, he's done this, he's brought this forward to the disciples to, to share. He stepped out in faith. And Andrew is a person who doesn't shy him away and push him away. He says, come on ahead. And another interesting thing is Jesus is watching these 18,000 people approach, but the boy is already there. And so either a boy, this boy's related to one of the disciples or he's hot on Jesus's heels and is following him close at hand. So this young person stepping out in faith is what brings about this miracle. And I just want to encourage you today to be people who are like Andrew, who encourage um, the younger generation, who stir them up and say to them, come on ahead. I don't know what Jesus is going to do with you, but come and let's see. Let's not be people who tell young people that it's not possible. Let's tell them in faith that they can do whatever um, Jesus wants with them. In my experience, we only ever underestimate the young. We only ever underestimate what they can do in faith and um, what they can accomplish with Jesus. So they accomplish, Jesus accomplishes this miracle. He gives thanks for the loaves and the fish, and they feed these 18,000 people. Have you ever had to feed people at Christmas time or a, a, big, a big group of people? I used to live in a house with um, 16 people. We had to feed, feed those 16 people every day, um, and it was a bit of a logistical nightmare. But imagine 18,000 people and feeding them and making sure everyone had enough, and there's 12 um, baskets left over. Again, in John's gospel, numbers are really significant. So the number 12 here represents the people of Israel. So all of these people are filled to the brim. They can't eat anymore. And there are 12 baskets left over, 12 representing the, the people of Israel. There is enough left over for the people of Israel. Again, this is pointing towards um, the Exodus story where G God provides for the people through the provision of manna in the desert. Interestingly, in the story of manna, the people of Israel would collect the manna for a day in whatever vessel they could collect it in, and they weren't to keep any over for the next day. Because if it did, um, they, it would go rotten, and it was because they needed to, to trust God for their daily provision, their daily bread. And here, Jesus provides for them, for all of these people, and makes sure that nothing is wasted and that there is enough for the next day. Um, but the people still don't get it. They still don't understand who Jesus is. Um, Jesus has explained in chapter 5 that Moses is going to call forward to Jesus, and still they don't understand. They think that he is a military leader. He's a king who's going to come and rule the people of Israel on a powerful throne, and no matter what, they've, they've missed the point. So what does Jesus do? Again, he goes away by himself. He sends the disciples away, and they get into a boat and cross um, the Sea of Galilee. Here in the crossing, um, it's very interesting. They're fighting against the waves, and they're about three or four miles from shore. And so if you do the maths, when Jesus gets to them, he's walked about six or five, five or six miles across the Sea of Galilee on the water. So first of all, that's a long way to walk. And second of all, that's a long way to walk on top of the water in a storm. 
and Jesus says to them, he doesn't just say, um, oh, it's me, don't worry, it's Jesus, I can get in the boat here. He says, it is I, or I am, I, I am who I am, referencing again um, the Exodus story where God says, my name is Yahweh, I am who I am. Jesus is pointing out his divinity here, um, quite obvious, his divinity when walking across um, this storm for six miles. And, and he gets into the boat, and there is this um, moment of, of teleporting. He teleports them basically to, to the shore. And um, there's one of two instances of this in the Bible, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip comes out of the water, and he disappears and goes to another place. And here, Jesus um, transports them to the shore. Um, we might miss a few interesting um, things here. Um, but as I say, I wanted to look, look, look further at them. And so the crowd, um, a bit of a funny, funny thing about the crowd here, um, in verse 22, they, they look at the, they, they see that there's a boat gone. They know that Jesus wasn't in the boat, but Jesus isn't there. And so they're trying to do the mass and think, where's Jesus gone? Um, but again, they figure out that Jesus has gone across the water. These people aren't seeking um, Jesus. They're not seeking to know Jesus. They're seeking to see his gifts, not the giver. And in chapter, in the latter parts of chapter 6, we'll see even more about that, how Jesus says that, that we need to be people who seek after him, not people who seek after his gifts. In these two, pa- two parts, two stories, um, we see that Jesus is the perfect provision in every need, and we see that he is the perfect protection in every trial. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough to provide for every need of the people of Israel. That's what this whole story is about. He um, provides perfectly for the people of Israel. There's 12 baskets left over representing Israel. He is providing perfectly for their needs. And also he provides perfectly for the disciples in the storm, just like that um, a story reflects the Red Sea and the people um, being delivered from, from slavery. And here the disciples are being delivered from the storm. And this passage tells us that Jesus is perfect um, provision in every one of our needs and perfect protection in every one of our trials. But sometimes we don't let Jesus be enough in our lives. We try to fill our lives with other things, even when we're followers of Jesus. We have other idols that we live after and other things that we want to focus on more. Jesus says that I've come to give life in all its fullness, but sometimes we take our glass of life and we try and fill it with other things, not allowing Jesus to fill it up. So what areas of our lives may we be trying to provide for ourselves or holding back from Jesus? I don't know if you um, are challenged by the gift day announcement today. Are you challenged about your finances? Do you keep the area of your finances um, to yourself and not allow God to use that? What about your relationships, your friendships? Um, maybe some of friendships that aren't appropriate and you say, no, um, you know, I'm going to keep that to myself. That's not for you, Jesus. Maybe the things that you watch on TV or things that you come across online. Do you, again, do you say to yourself, no, Jesus, this is, this is one part of my life I want to keep to myself. Are you holding unforgiveness for someone? Um, People once said that holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt somebody else. Um, Jesus wants to help you today to provide for you in that.
Or is there a sin in your life that you haven't confessed? Confess to Jesus, even as we've done the confession this morning, or confess to somebody else. There's no victory in sin without confession. And there's no um, victory in that without confessing to Jesus and confessing to your brother and sister. It could be that you are sitting in the sufficiency of Christ this morning and that you want to be like the boy or like Andrew and say, Jesus, here are my loaves and fish. What do you want to do with me? I'll do anything you ask. And even in that, Jesus is your perfect provision. Jesus wants to provide for you in all of these areas of your life, in your needs and in your trials. Um, No, Jesus is not going to give you everything you want. Um, We will pray for things, and sometimes Jesus will not give us those things. Tim Keller, uh, an American pastor, says that God gives you everything that you would ask for if you knew everything he knows. And so God doesn't give you everything you want, but he does give you everything you need. And will you face trials and storms? Absolutely, the disciples faced these storms, but Jesus delivered them through the storm. And we will be delivered through the ultimate storm of life, even in all of our trials, when we go to be with him. Jesus wants to provide for all of these areas of our lives. He is enough. But he can't fill up our glass if we fill it with other things. He needs to be number one in our lives. And we can't force him into the box that the Israelites were trying to force him into. They wanted to make him a military leader, their king who was going to overthrow the Romans. And sometimes we want to force Jesus into the box that we have for him. The misconceptions that we have about Jesus, we want to force him into those boxes. But we have to let him be who he is. Let him be enough. Whatever your need is this morning, whatever your storm is today, um, and even if you want to just say to Jesus, I want to step out in faith, Jesus is enough. He wants to be enough and he wants to fill up your cup and fill up all your needs this morning. Let's pray together.